0: so I want to continue on today with the lesser-talked-about need for the Green Bay Packers, and that is offensive guard. Um, I, I think it's a it's a bigger issue than we're talking about for a couple reasons. First of all, because um, we don't see round one as an option, although it definitely is. Uh, as I had done my mock draft, one of the guys that kept coming up that, um, that Mark Jarvis really seems to like, and, and who knows, it's his opinion, He he acknowledged he could end up going later than even the second round. But you look at a guy, for example, like Chris Lindstrom. Uh, He's a potential starting, I would say, mid-first. But uh, beyond that, another reason people don't seem to really want to talk about it is it it seems like something that you can satisfy later, kind of like running back. In other words, we have needs... And some of them we're not going to get in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, or we don't want to address it there. We don't want another fifth-round wide receiver. So if we want a wide receiver, it's got to be free agency, or it's got to be early first, second, third round. If we want a a pass rusher, it's got to be free agency or basically first round. Because once you get a second-round guy, or yeah, second-round guy, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how much you can really expect anymore. Because talent drops off pretty quick. Same with tackle. If, if we did want to get a tackle, you're you know once you get into that third round, it's kind of iffy. Obviously, we've hit on that before in the past with Ted Thompson getting guys like David Bakhtiari, but you can't rely on that. But either way, I, I think it's a big need. I think Packer fans acknowledge that it's a big need, but I don't even know if Packer fans really acknowledge how big it is. We We tend to look at it and say, well, we have a really bad position where Byron Bell is our right guard. Well, I don't know. First of all, I don't think Byron Bell should be the right guard. I think we should acknowledge Justin McCray as the right guard. In that in that situation, it's not as bad as we make it out to be, but it is really bad. But it's even worse than that because we kind of forget about Lane Taylor, and everybody seems to think we're good outside of right guard. Justin McCray was graded out better than Lane Taylor. Alex Light graded out better than Lane Taylor. Lane Taylor had one year that could be called good, and that was 2015. He's never been a good guard for us. He was a backup that filled in and was a decent enough backup. He's one of those guys, sort of like a J.C. Treader-ish guy, where it's like, I'm really glad we have him as depth, because he can come in for a few snaps or a game if needed. But he, I don't think he ever really should have been a full-time starter. He's just not very good. So we don't have any guards. And again, McCray has grown and gotten better to the point from where I, I said before he was horrible to he's, he's at least serviceable. But that's all Lane Taylor is. So McRae and Taylor, in my mind, are you know one A and one B in terms of problems with our offensive line. Problem number number two would be right tackle. So we we need to we need to hammer guard. And I don't know if simply taking a guard in the fourth round is going to be sufficient. Like, well, you know, he's not elite, but he hopefully is good enough to take over for Byron Bell. Eh, I don't know, man. So anyways, let's look at free agency because we've got a few options. So first of all, just to kind of highlight um, the Packers roster, I, I've i already said I don't trust Justin McCray. There is a possibility. I mean, if you look at it, his his year one was terrible. Year two, he became Lane Taylor. It's possible year three, we've got something. Lane Taylor is, is just, he's capped out. We know he's not any good. Byron Bell, we know, is not any good. He's been in this game a long time, and he's just getting worse. Lucas Patrick is also going into his third year, but his f- First two years have been so terrible, there's really no reason to believe we're going to get anything out of them. Uh, Adam Pankey, I'm very skeptical, but essentially we have, we have one year to go off of and one, really one snap. Um, and considering how poor things were, I, I just, I don't know that I've really ever seen anything from, pa- I think there were a lot of people who really liked him for a while and I didn't get why. I just remember seeing him as this gigantic lumbering ogre looking guy and everybody's like, oh, he's super like limber and everything all right, (laughs) whatever. Alex Light, we also have a limited sample size. Uh, He was a 2018 guy. So another guy that is an option, but we're talking about an undrafted free agent. So I'm just looking at guys on the roster that I don't want to completely forget about because it's not as though we know everything definitively. It's possible Alex Light could be something, but it's really, really unlikely. We also did add Nico Siragusa. Nico is a fourth-round draft pick which, by the way, how awesome is it that the Baltimore Ravens drafted? I was hoping so badly that the Ravens would draft this guy just because they I wanted them to draft another Siragusa. But there is something potentially here. I'm, I'm a little hesitant just because he's a fourth-round draft pick in 2017 and ended up on the practice squad, which you have to know. Granted, they didn't cut him, so that's good, but y- you kind of got to know that you want to protect your guys, and a fourth round draft pick at guard should be somebody that you'd really want to protect, so you should put him on your active roster, but they didn't. They put him on the practice squad. Anyways, we have him to possibly work with. That's what we have on the roster, and I would say outside of Nico Saragusa, very, very, very long shot, you know, undrafted free agent types, and um, and then McRae, who I've, I've basically made a career out of these two years I've been doing a podcast of saying I don't like McRae, but uh, again, you know how I operate, usually it's just a matter of, if I don't like somebody, it's not even so much that I don't like them, it's a fact that people like him too much, so when I come down really hard, with the exception of Brett Hundley, nobody liked Brett Hundley, I don't think I came down harder on anybody other than Brett Hundley the year that he played pretty much the whole year, but in general, I actually got scolded for saying that, uh, I just imagine there was a world in which saying McRae wasn't good. <laughs> and I actually had converts and people come to me saying, you know what, I'm a believer now, maybe McCrae isn't good. That was actually a world that we lived in at one point where I had to explain to people that McRae wasn't very good. Now I have to go on the other side of it and be like, well, let's just wait. From year one to year two, he did improve. Let's see if there is another step for him to go or if he's kind of capped out. It's worth at least asking that question, I suppose. But anyways, in general, we've got to... Uh, we, we've got to start exploring this, because as of right now, we don't have a starting guard. We, in my mind, have two backups playing guard uh, as starters, which um, necessarily means we don't really have any any actual backups right now. In a perfect world, we find two starting guards, and then we have McRae and Taylor as our backups. That would just be wonderful. All right, let's take a look first at uh, some guys that are currently under contract that may be released, depending on whether a team decides they want to pay the man or not. And the first two guys I want to start with are uh, a couple of guys that are ex-Packers, TJ Lang and Josh Sitton. Now, Josh Sitton is going to largely depend on his desire to come back. Um, There were some issues with Josh Sitton. I don't exactly know what they were. I just know, according to the team, because there's obviously two sides to every story, he wasn't super happy with... The Packers, he was kind of talking under his breath about maybe McCarthy, I'm not sure, and they said enough is enough, we're not going to have that. Now it's interesting because in general the Packers are staying away from that, they're saying we're not dealing with that kind of stuff. But number one, I think Josh Sitton was a team guy. In other words, of the guys that were on the team when Josh Sitton was here, I don't think anybody had a problem with Josh Sitton. I think Josh Sitton primarily had a problem with the team, and maybe in particular, he had a problem. It, it, it depends what his problem was. If his problem was similar to the problem David Bakhtiari has when he goes on the radio and says, hey, there was no there was no accountability under McCarthy. If his problem was McCarthy and the fact that he wasn't holding guys accountable and to the standard that, that some of the guys, some of the veterans expected, if that was the issue, I don't have a problem bringing Josh sitting back. Because at that point, it's a matter of not that you really like guys talking about the coach in that way, but it's a matter of, listen, you were right and McCarthy was wrong and he's gone and we are going to be implementing new standards and, and people will be to meetings on time or they will be fined. People will be on the bus or the airplane on time or they're going to be getting their own airplane and they're going to be fined. right? Wh- whatever it is, we're, we're going to hold guys accountable. So anyways, I, I just want to lay that out there. I'm going to set that to the side. You make your own determination on whether he's an option But these are two guys that have been uh, kind of marked as potential guys that could be cut or traded. So I want to start with TJ Lang, and the the biggest reason that he's being marked as a potential guy that could be on the outs is because he currently carries a contract cap hit. It's not even so much his contract, because his base salary is 8.25, so if he was traded, that's what the Packers or whoever would take on is that 8.25, and then on top of that, you could uh, offer a restructured deal, meaning... You could extend him to a smaller average so that he gets his money and he gets an extension, but the Packers, on average, are not paying anywhere near a point two five. The other thing to note is that he is due a roster bonus of $500,000 on March 16th. So if he was to be dealt, it would probably... Ideally for the team, be before March 16th. This is kind of when a lot of people are saying you want to offload because you're not going to pay a half a million dollars to a guy that you have no intention of keeping. So if they're 100% done with him, and I'm not saying that they are, but they do have Joe Dahl, who has proved to be pretty solid, at least in his limited snaps, and they they drafted Frank Ragno. So I mean that that's kind of the I want T.J. Lang version of the story. The real story would be. Frank Ragnow is not very good. They're hoping he can become good. The other guard that they have that's a starter is TJ Lang, and he is good. Not elite, but he's good. He's a good guard. He's not what he was, so there's sort of a buyer beware situation here, but that would be more than enough reason, for example, for the Detroit Lions to say, I don't want to pay this man 11 million, because again, it is 11 million dollar cap hit. If we can trade him, Maybe we can get a little bit of compensation for them. If not, they'll just cut them because it doesn't make a difference financially for them trading or cutting. So they're, they're going to try to get something, which is going to be minimal anyways because, first of all, it's a guard. Second of all, TJ Lang is 32 years old. So it's kind of, I mean, listen, if I had to guess, I would say that they're going to hang on to him. The Detroit Lions, as I said when we went through this, are in a similar cap situation to us. So they're not the Bears or the Vikings where... You might need to cut somebody to save a little money. If you've got $35.5 million in the bank, and that's already accounting for the $11 million cap hit to your guard, probably not going to get cut. With that said, however, if for whatever reason they decided to trade him or cut him, and we were to look at, and I tried to find a comp, and hilariously the best comp I could find as far as a contract is concerned was Josh Sitton. Josh Sitton was signed last year to a two-year contract with the Miami Dolphins at... Thirty-two years old, his average salary was six point seven five million dollars, and I would say they're in a similar boat. Josh Sitton is a better guard, but he's also on the downswing a little bit. So that I, I, you know, in and around that six to six and a half million dollars per year contract, a two-year deal, I think I'd be willing to do that. It is a relatively big chunk. It doesn't seem like much, but again, if we're talking about a roughly thirty-five million dollars, and probably, I mean the draft picks are in total for the packers about 10 million dollars maybe about 6 if we just include the top 51 depending on who makes it and who doesn't so we're we're already below the 30 million dollar mark after we sign our draft picks if we offer up 6 to a guard we're you know 25 24 23 million so it doesn't seem like much but i mean we're, we we went from 35 to 20 real quick and again are you really willing to do that? Because what we're talking about is, is a upgrade, and then you got to wonder how much of an upgrade. Because if you're looking at TJ Lang, and he's good, but he's, he's kind of on the downswing, and you look at McCray, if, if McCray takes one step forward and Lang takes one step back, they're pretty close. So it, it, it's a relatively big risk, but it's an easy solution. If Lang can just come in and play similar to the way that he has been playing for the Detroit Lions, it's fixed. Our right guard position is fixed, and we can get it for, I mean, and who knows? If, if it is less, if it's considerably less than T.J. Lang because he doesn't have the pedigree that T.J. Lang does, we could be talking about $5 million. And again, it's, it's, it's a short-term fix, but it is a fix. Now, as far as Josh Sitton and the Miami Dolphins, they're in a real tough spot because he was with the Bears. He actually played really well for the Bears. There is definitely a decline. There's no question about that. But essentially, the decline is he went from being very good to being, um, you know, really good. In 2017, he was the 10th best guard. Let's just put it that way. He was the 7th best uh, pass-blocking guard, which, by the way, in 2017, TJ Lang was the 6th best passing guard. These are two guys the Packers got rid of. Still makes me upset that we decided to just... Ted Thompson just purged our offensive line, and I don't have any idea why. I guess to save money is why. But then he went and signed people to replace them, and we <laughs> we got classic Ted Thompson signings. But I guess I could understand, not wanting to pay TJ Lang $9.5 million a year. But anyways, the Miami Dolphins are like, look, this guy can still play, let's sign him. So they sign him to a two-year contract, and he gets put on IR, <laughs> like instantly. He played one game, um, he played it injured. So he was injured, he played a game, he played it poorly, and then they put him on IR. But again... Even with the decline, what are we getting? A, a If we don't get a top 10, are we getting a top 15 guard? And look, he, he signed a $6.5 million contract. If they can trade him, they don't have to pay him a single dollar. And there's $4.9 million left on his contract. Because they paid him $7.5 million just as a signing bonus. Just, hey, thanks for coming over. $7.5 million in the bank. A million dollars base salary. So we're talking $8.5 million of his total contract in which he's only averaging 6.5, so he has four, a little under $5 million remaining. Now, they can cut him and only pay an, an additional $2 million to a guy that literally did nothing for your team, or you can try to trade him. So, again, we're talking about a guy, Josh Sitton, that if we were to trade for him, we could get him for one year, $5 million, which seems about right when you talk about last year he was worth 6.5, and, and then he got put on IR, and he's a year older. And I know it seems ridiculous that he's 32, 33, but we've seen offensive linemen that can do it, 33, 34, 35, 36, so there could be another year two, three in him. Again, fully acknowledging he's on the decline, but I'm not talking about a $10 million guard. I'm talking about $4.9 bucks for a potential top 10, top 15 guard. And again, it's a short-term fix, and I'm not saying we don't draft. We still go into the draft with the exact same philosophy, and if there's guards available, we take them. But in the meantime, it wouldn't hurt to have a $5 million Band-Aid. And again, that's, that's a big if. They may say, no, we already pumped <laughs> $8.5 million into this guy. We'll, we'll continue to ride it out. But it's a $7 million cap hit this year. $7 million. And again, if they offload him, if if they decide to trade him, it's zero. So they have to choose between seven, or if you can trade him, zero. If you can't trade him, it's two. It's still a $5 million cap savings to not have Josh sitting on your team. Now, the biggest problem here, though, is that they don't have a single guard that's worth anything. But I don't know... See, see, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, we we don't have a guard, we need a guard. The problem is, this is a multi-year rebuild signing Sitton for this one year I guess is going to help you for a year but you're still going to have an awful offensive line you don't have a center you don't have a right guard so even if we're going to build through the draft what what are we doing this year what is the benefit this year what are we paying seven million dollars to Josh Sitton for why don't we cut him or trade him and use that money on somebody that's a little younger that can help us Three, four years down the road. Maybe next year when we get a quarterback, or possibly this year, but supposedly not. Maybe it'll help us down the road. That's a lot of money, man. Seven million. He's not even worth seven. That's that's the biggest problem. He's not worth the money you're going to pay him. Six and a half million is, is what you offered him. It was the best anybody was willing to offer him, which means you probably overpaid for him as it is. You backloaded the contract, so now you have a, a serious cap hit. Now, in terms of cash you've already given that up front. That's gone. You burned it up. But as far as your cap hit, it's all backloaded. Meaning, we're deducting all the cash you paid last year and lost in a blaze of glory because he was on IR immediately. And we're penalizing you this year for that money that you wasted last year. So it's just two years of misery. But again, if we can offload him this year, then we don't have to account for that anymore. We're not going to be penalized for all that money that we paid and lost last year. In addition, the... Um, the Dolphins only have about 10 million dollars in cap space. Now they're probably going to cut Ryan Tannehill. They could try to trade him if they want to. I don't know if they're going to be very successful in that. So they're probably going to have to cut him. That'll save an additional 13, but that's still not very much. We're talking about maybe 22, 23 million dollars remaining in your in your uh, cap. Again, minus the draft picks. So a little under 20. Somebody's got to go. And there's other people you can cut, but I, I, I think Josh Sitton maybe is at the top of the list. A 33-year-old guard who spent the entire year last year on IR, you're going to pay him $7 million? You're going to take a $7 million cap hit bath? Nah. <laughs> no. He, he, he's It's a rebuild and he's not a part of the future. That's all there is to it. And yes, I would consider paying him under $5 million for a year. But again, that goes back to the question of is this an is, is this a all-in year? is this a year we're going for? It? Because it, it's not going to hurt us. Uh, one-year contracts are so team friendly and awesome, it, it almost makes it to the point where it's like, why don't you go in every year? If you got guys that'll take one-year contracts, it seems easy. Obviously, you got to pick which contracts you want to disperse, but $4.9 million for sitting, and then you don't have to worry about it next year. All that money you're going to get back, because it's just a one-year deal. In other words, do the trade. You don't even have to negotiate with sitting a contract. You just take his current contract, say, you're playing here under that contract for this year, we're going to give you that money, you're going to play for us, and then next year you can go make your money somewhere else. It's a one-year all-in rental. And again, he was, in 2017, the last time he was healthy, 10th best guard, 7th best pass-blocking guard in the NFL. Lane Taylor, who was uh, Sittin's replacement, was the 28th best pass-blocking guard. He was the 37th best guard overall. So again, even if there's a decline, we're currently paying in 2019. We're gonna pay Lane Taylor 5.4 million, Five, 5.4 million for Lane Taylor. So I don't mean to keep beating this horse here, but uh, for the millionth time, yes, to a 4.9 million dollar deal for Josh Sitton for one year. It, it, it depends on the medical too. I don't. Maybe he's still not healthy. I have no idea. I, maybe he's got lingering issues. That all depends. But we're assuming he's going to come back and perform. He's going to continue to decline, but we're still talking about a top 15, top 20, and probably potentially top 10, top 15 pass-blocking guard in the NFL, playing left guard next to David Bakhtiari, next to Corey Lindsley, which, by the way, Corey Lindsley was thriving when he had Sitten and when he had uh, TJ Lang. And again, the chemistry between Sitton and Rodgers, the chemistry between Bakhtiari and, and, and all the guys that are next to him, it's already there. The decline that happened when he left the Packers and went to the Bears largely could be attributed to the fact that it's a new team. There's going to be some natural decline in his ability, but it doesn't all have to be that. He's a naturally gifted guard. Anyways, I'm done with that. Moving on. Uh, Another name is Mike Remmers. It's going to be a no for me, dog. He is a garbage Vikings guard, and uh, if they decide to offload him, that's his own problem, not ours. Another option is going to be Ronald Leary, left guard for the Denver Broncos. He's another guy that's either going to be traded or offloaded relatively soon because 5 million dollars of his salary becomes fully guaranteed on March 17th. And to give you a full picture of his contract, um, the cap hit for the Denver Broncos to keep him would be $9.2 million this year, $9.3 million next year if they cut him. They save seven and a half million this year and eight and a half next year. Well, that's not true. They would save seven and a half this year and then all of it next year, nine point three million dollars. And as far as his talent level, I he's I don't think he's really ever been worth this much money. I would say he's in and around the same talent level as T J Lang and Josh Sitton. He's good. He's a good guard. He was put on IR last year, which at the age of, you know, twenty nine, gonna be thirty, kind kinda getting to that point where it's becoming problematic. I guess the only question for the Denver Broncos would be, are they willing to just eat that money? Because again, he's not worth it, but maybe you overpay for him because we want to have a quality guard. But I I would say probably more than 50% they make the decision to move on because it just doesn't make financial sense, in my opinion, meaning he would become a free agent because I don't think anyone's going to make a trade for him. It's just too much money. So he does become an option. He's younger than Sitton and Lang, similarly talented. So potentially, I don't know, at the left guard spot, top 20 guard, a guy that's just, he's, he's a starter. He's good. If you want to sign him to a, a six two million or two-year, six-million-a-year contract or something, okay, fine. If teams are going to sit there and throw another $8 million at him or something crazy, then no, definitely not. Just go draft somebody. Another option is uh, Oakland Raiders' Kalechi Osemele. Uh, Kind of some big question marks. The guy's been an incredible guard for pretty much the entirety of his career from uh, 2012 through 2015. He was a really good um, guard for the Baltimore Ravens. Goes over to Oakland. 2016, he's solid. 2017, he's pretty good still. 2018, not good. Now, he was injured. Uh, So week one was terrible. I don't know what happened in week one. Week two, three, and four, uh, very, very good pass blocker. Terrible run blocking, but really, really good pass blocking. He's out on IR, or not IR, but he's out injured for a good portion of time, comes back week 9, is terrible, and fights through injury through the rest of the year, a knee injury, um, but finishes the year, and just, it's not a good year. So, the question then becomes, do we want him? Here's the biggest problem. He's owed $9.7 million and $11.2 million, meaning if, if, that's his base salary, so if he were, if we were to trade for him, we would have to pay him that much money, in order for him to be worth that much money, we would have to know definitively that he's going to be okay and back to his old prior form. Because I'm, I'm not opposed to a guy that's going to play for two years at a top level. We're talking top ten. You give me top ten guard, I'll give you ten million over two years without blinking. But I have to know for sure. Now, it's entirely possible that they could cut him because they save all that money, but I, I just don't think they're going to do that. They've got $71 million in cap space. If they believe he can return to his old self, why in the world would you ever do this? Well, I guess look at who their head coach is. Not afraid to trade anybody, but if they feel like maybe he's on the decline, he's getting old, we want to get our own guy, blah, 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 whatever, Osemely is the second highest paid guy on the team. So it kind of does make some sense. But again, it's, with $71 million in cap space, I'm, I'm, I don't care. Give him a year to figure it out. Either way, though, it's an option. If they would rather have the money than Osemele, if they feel like he can't hack it, they might cut him, in which case he becomes an option, and I think a very real option. Again, 29 years old, um, we're talking one of the better guards in the NFL in 2017, has been since forever, very, very good guard, had a bad year last year, but had a bum knee. So similar to Josh Sitton, it becomes a, a medical issue to where I need to know that he can play like he had in the past. And if he can, then, yeah, absolutely. Another option would be Andrus Pete with the uh, New Orleans Saints. I'm very, very skeptical about him. I don't think he's ever been all that great. He's been mediocre to okay. And this past year, he was absolutely horrible. Now, the benefit is he's only 25 years old. So if you do like him, 2015 first-round draft pick, if you feel like there's something to work with, and if you can explain away this horrible season, injury, whatever, and you want to see what you can do, fine. But I think a team that wants to take a flyer on him is going to offer him money conducive to a 25-year-old first-round draft pick. Personally, I'm out on it, but you can go ahead and do your own fact-finding uh, mission if you'd like to see if maybe he's a good option for you. So I want to flip over now to um, free agents. In, in other words, guys who are currently free agents, they do not have
1: a team. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks.
0: So the first guy on the list, the first is Mr. Quentin Spain. Now, Quentin Spain is not very good. Let's just get that out there right now. 2015 free agent, um, decent pass blocker, but I would say he's right lockstep with a guy like Lane Taylor. In and around that same level of talent, uh, he actually graded out lower than Lane Taylor did uh, for 2018 and 2017. But he, he's kind of in that line. Good enough pass blocker, not good run blocker, not super great guard overall. The only reason I really want to bring him up though is that he formerly played with the Tennessee Titans. So whatever it is the Packers are planning to do with changing up some scheme, this, that, or the other thing, even though you got to remember Quentin Spain played for the Titans, but Matt LaFleur was only with the Titans for one year. So it's not like Quentin Spain has been running this system or scheme for a long time. He came in for one year, he tried it, didn't really work out and left. Quentin Spain's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I did it, but I, I don't know that I would necessarily call him an expert in the Matt Lafleur school of offensive linemen. But it is an option. There is that connection there. It's possible. that would That, in my mind, is a perfect Ted Thompson pickup. It's a guy that kind of makes sense for one sort of reason, But he's not good. He's not really even better than the guys we have. Maybe a little bit better, but probably not so much. And uh, we had to use real money to acquire him, which is less money to be used on people that could actually really help this team kind of a lot. So I'm out on Quentin Spain, but just so that you know that that is a thing. uh, Former Tennessee Titans offensive guard. Someone that I'm a little bit more interested in is Mr. Ramon Foster. I wouldn't necessarily put him in elite kind of category, um, in terms of what I talked about yesterday with consistency, it's, it's, usually there's a lot of consistency with, with offensive linemen. You just kind of are what you are. A good pass blocker is going to be pretty good throughout the year. Um, and then, you know, if you're not good at run blocking, you're not going to be very good at that throughout the year. There's a good amount of inconsistency with Ramon Foster. He is a very, very good pass blocker. But you do get inconsistency. So, for example, week one against Cleveland, he was awesome. Week two against Kansas City, not very good. Good, very good, borderline elite, average. Very good, very good, 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 very good, very good, very, very good, good, average. So I know that's that's a lot of good, but I'm just saying with guards typically it's going to be like good, 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 average, good, 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 very good, 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 good. So it's weird to see somebody who's really good at something just not show up for a for a day, and then as a run blocker he's just not very good, which is surprising for a Pittsburgh Steelers blocker. Um, overall, in 2018, Ramon Foster was the 23rd highest graded offensive guard, so we are getting a starter. Justin McCray was 30th, and as I said, he was our highest graded guard. As a pass blocker, however, which is the most important thing, he was the 9th highest graded pass blocker in 2018. So he's top 10. Looking at his contract, he had gotten a three-year contract worth about $3.2 million a year. My voice is officially gone, <sighs> so it's, it's kind of hard to gauge exactly um, his value. But similar to the X-Packers, if you said, "Hey, do you want to sign Ramon Foster for three million bucks to a one or two-year contract?" Um, that I mean, it's it's really not even a question because I know it one year, three million dollars. It's not a question because it's an automatic upgrade for three million dollars at a pretty critical position at a position in which we don't have any starting talent. Worst case scenario, we spent $3 million on a guy that's just not good anymore, and he's as good as the guys we have. Best case scenario, Ramon Foster is our left guard, Justin McCray takes a step and is our right guard, and we have two pretty decent guards. And that doesn't even include how many guards we might end up drafting. I don't know how $3 million for a guy like this is, is questionable. Now, he's not a very good run blocker, but whatever. We don't have good run blockers. You want to get a guy that's a good run and pass blocker, year one. Have you seen the guys that have been getting drafted lately? I know Quentin Nelson. Yes, if you get a guy that is a generational talent and take him in the top five or whatever, yeah, pretty good. Uh, Will Hernandez in the second round? There were no first-round guys outside of Nelson, but Will Hernandez for, for the Giants? Not very good. James Daniels for the Bears? Not very good. Remember Forrest Lamp and how great he was supposed to be? He's not good. He was a potential first-round guy, best number one guy in the draft in 2017. Not good. Dan Feeney was supposed to also be pretty good. He's not good. I mean, Nico Siragusa was the sixth guard taken in 2017. He didn't even stay, at he couldn't even make the active roster. Or how about Frank Ragnow and Billy Price? Billy Price was supposed to be a first-round guy, and he was. Frank Ragnow was also a first-round guy. We had two first-round guys taken in 2018. Neither of them were any good. James Daniels, not good, as I said. Mason Cole, not very good. I mean, <laughs> Ethan Posick, Pat Elflein, those are the top two guys in 2017. Neither of them are any good. Pat Elflein is garbage for the Minnesota Vikings. Ethan Posick is trash for the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm just saying, if we're talking $3 bucks for a maybe that's been proven, but maybe he takes a step back and isn't top 10 anymore, I'm probably just going to go ahead and take take a shot at it. Because the hit rate um, for first and second round guys that aren't top 10 is pretty much zero in the last three years. So anyways, that's Ramon Foster. Next on the list is Mr. Roger Saffold, left guard for the Rams previously. He's actually somewhat of a different uh, kind of guy when you look at his skill set. He is also 30 years old, coming off a pretty big contract, but that's you know, that's kind of how it goes. He's following that perfect path. You get drafted, which is step one. You get paid. Then you get your big contract, which he got. It was a five-year, $30 million deal, $6 bucks a year. He made it all the way through that. Now he needs his one more, just give me that one more contract, and then I'll retire kind of deal. But Saffold is a little bit different because although he's not the greatest pass blocker in the world, he's about as good of a run blocker as he is a pass blocker. And coming from the Rams, you figure it's pretty similar kind of stylistically when you look at how the Rams run the ball and how Lafleur may possibly want to do that. And, and to be honest, starting in 2017 is when he really kind of took off as a run blocker. He was always decent, but he, he was, you know, as his pass blocking has gotten slightly worse, his run blocking has gotten slightly better, where he's basically met in the middle in 2017 and 2018. The other thing that's a little different about him is he's very, very inconsistent. He only had three games in which his pass blocking was really bad. So for the most part, he's going to be you know, a non-liability at the very least with occasionally having some very, very good games. But again, you get that added bonus of he's a decent run blocker. So whereas you get some not super great run blocking games where he's basically just like every other guard in the NFL, you get a couple others where he's, he's legit. So former second-round guy similar situation it depends on the money it depends on what you're looking for but this could be a situation where you look at Saffold and you say that maybe he understands the the system a little bit better coming from the Sean McVay school because presumably we're going to be running something similar to what the Rams have I don't know how similar but still it should be a relatively seamless transition would be my assumption so I don't mind this. I, I really don't, especially if we're going to try to jumpstart our, our run game a little bit. I don't want to get a guy that's that's a good run blocker and a liability as a pass blocker. But again, Saffold isn't a liability as a pass blocker. He's he's better than um, McRae and and Lane Taylor. Not massively better, but he is better. And to give you an idea, so, so picture this. He's a top 50 pass blocker, which isn't super flattering. He's, you know, 40th best or whatever, which, whatever. He is the fifth-best run-blocking guard in the NFL, at least in 2018 he was. 2017 he was the ninth-best. So, he, I mean, he's a top-ten run-blocker in the NFL as a, as a, as a guard. So, I, again, I don't mind it. You're, you're, it depends on the money, but you're getting an upgrade. Over, I mean, over Lane Taylor also, not not just he's not a liability like, like uh, Byron Bell. I'm not talking about a non-liability. I'm talking about a guy that is an upgrade over everyone we have, including Lane Taylor. Beyond that, we're getting a top 10 guard. And the other good thing is, similar to safety, there's a lot of these guys out there. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, Lang, Sitton, Saffold, Osemele, whatever, depending on how many of these guys actually get cut by their teams, there, there's a lot of them. So it's not one of those situations where somebody is super elite and the price is just going to go up and up and up because everybody wants them. No, it's it's a bunch of over-the-hill guys who got a couple years left in them. You subtract out the teams first of all that are cutting them. You subtract out the teams that don't have the cap space. You subtract out the teams that don't have a need at guard. It, it's similar to safety. I'm going to say if we don't even even take a look at this, I'm going to be disappointed because you can you can take on Saffold and draft somebody even early. I don't care if you want to take a guy early second round. I, in no way am I saying, well, we can't take a guy early because we just got Saffold for two years. Who cares? I don't have a problem with depth. I don't have a problem with, with people learning. I don't have a problem with them trying to win out the job. I mean, what, what's wrong with bringing a young guy in here who gets drafted in the second round and instead of saying, hey, you inherited this job, telling him, oh, sorry, you got Roger Saffold. You want to play here. You want to earn some money. You better beat him. And as a young guy, you should be able to do that. To be completely honest, you're a second round draft pick. You're 22 years old. Yes, I absolutely expect you to beat a, a 32-year-old offensive guard. And if you can't, good, sit. Sit and learn. So this is easy. I mean, it's there's more than enough safeties, and they're cheap. There's more than enough guards, and they're cheap. I, I don't see this as a problem. I think Jari Evans was a similar kind of a signing. And I actually think Jari Evans was a good addition. Jari Evans was a guy that was, was over the hill, but he had a little bit left. Jari Evans was an upgrade. He was cheap. And then when we lost Jari Evans, we regressed. But I think we could actually even do better than Jari Evans, and I don't think we have to pay a lot for it. But that's the kind of stuff that I like. I, kind of a radical thought. The stuff that I like is when we pay money for guys that can upgrade the position, as opposed to guys that are about as good as the guys that we already have. But, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of radical that way. But anyways, that's about all I got for the, uh, the guards. I, I just, again... Let me know your thoughts. Call, text, Facebook, Twitter. But um, it, it seems easy enough to me. If we're talking $5 million or less, and obviously you've, you've got better resources than I have, talking about the Green Bay Packers here, um, to evaluate their locker room presence, which, I mean, if we're talking about TJ Lang, it should not be a problem. If we're talking about uh, Ramon Foster, from what I understand, that offensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers, not a problem whatsoever. And the kind of stuff they've had to put up with over there in Pittsburgh, that's a good group over there. A lot of these these, you know, old crusty offensive linemen are guys that just they put their head down and they work. It's how they get to play at 32, 33 years old and they're still playing at a relatively high level. The only problem that they're having right now is the fact that they signed pretty expensive contracts for some of them anyways and as, as much as they can be a benefit to teams. I mean, you you, you talk about the Minnesota Vikings, the Texans. the, the if, if those teams, Seattle Seahawks, don't spend every dollar they have for guys like this, they're brain dead. And the thing is, they don't, which is just hilarious. I would be surprised if they even did. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't get it. And I don't care because I'm not them. I'm not their problem. I'm trying to get the Green Bay Packers a Super Bowl championship. Sign one, grow one, draft one. That's our philosophy from now on. We're going to sign somebody that's cheap, that can help us, or possibly very expensive depending on the circumstance. We're going to grow somebody as in train somebody, whether it's McCray, whether it's uh, you know Josh Jones if we don't want to give up on him yet, and we're going to draft somebody. We, we've got three avenues to improve this team and get it better than it was last year. Those are our three avenues. The GM is responsible for two of them. The coach is responsible for the other one. We, 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 that, that's it. That's, that's all you have, and that's really all you need. You need a great GM and a great head coach, and that's it. A guy that can find the talent, a guy that can grow the talent and foster the talent and knows how to utilize the talent, and you got Super Bowls. Hence the reason the Patriots never lose, because you got one guy that's great at both of those things, and he's always going to be there, and as long as he's there, not a problem. He's going to draft the right guys, he's going to sign the right guys, and he knows exactly what to do with these guys. That's all you need, and if you got it, you're set. So hopefully we got the right guys. Hopefully uh, Gudakunst again. He's he's had a, a full year this time, unlike last year. He had the ability to assemble his staff. These guys have been scouting the college ranks for a very very long time. They've been scouting the pro ranks for a very long time. They've been together now a full year. So I'm not gonna you know necessarily give him a pass for last year. If it doesn't pan out, I'm not even saying it didn't pan out. I'm saying if it doesn't pan out, I'm not giving him a pass. But this is sort of ground zero for him. And then, of course, we'll see what Matt LaFleur can do. Anyways, i got to do something with my throat. You folks enjoy your Sunday. I'll talk to you tomorrow if I can speak. Have a good one. Bye-bye.